Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. In our never-ending I Work For Him desire to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways that will challenge the way you think about your faith and work, today we're talking about weaving theology of work into church life. And we have author and speaker Dr. Larry Peabody, founder of calledintowork.com. That's calledintowork.com, joining us for a discussion. But before we bring on Dr. Peabody, I wanted to read this verse from Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Author and speaker, Dr. Larry Peabody, welcome for the very first time to the I Work For Him show. Good to be here. I'm so thrilled to have you, Larry. It's the the connection and how I even found out about you is so fantastic because my sister was having a fundraising banquet at the Christian college called Crown College in Minneapolis, sitting next to a buddy of yours, Roger Anderson. They get into a conversation, and Roger says, hey, Jim should talk to this guy, uh, Jeff Pelletier, who's got a radio talk show in Minneapolis, similar to mine on Saturdays once a week. And and Jeff and Roger said, hey, you got to talk to Larry Peabody. 
You got to talk to him. He, he, he's, he's right where you're at. So that's why I reached out to you, and I'm so grateful uh, for you being willing to be able to come on the show today and just share from your heart how God has been using you to train up others, not only inside the church, but outside the church, and to challenge people. So I'm so grateful, Larry. Thanks again. Well, uh, a number of ways, I suppose. Uh, I, I teach online. I teach theology of work online for the Bakke, that's B-A-K-K-E, Bakke Graduate University, and uh, have students uh, really all around the world, uh, Nigeria, uh, Canada, Malaysia, Philippines, all across the United States, of course. So that's one of the major ways. That's just so fantastic. Before we get into your background, I really want to hear from your heart, because I try to do this for every guest I have on the show. I want people to hear how everybody around the world's life who, who, who calls himself a Christ father, their life is daily being impacted for Christ. So how is your life being impacted by Christ today, Larry? Well, I continue to find that uh, the Word of God, which I find in Scripture, uh, tells me the truth both about myself and about the world that we live in. Uh, in both areas, this is discouraging and highly encouraging. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like what Tim Keller said along this line. He said, the gospel is this, <clears throat> we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, and yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. So that's really true, I'm finding, in my own life. It's so it's so true. Larry, how long have you been a Christ follower? Well, let's see. I was I prayed to receive the Lord when I was 7, and I'm almost 75, so it's almost 70 years now. That's fantastic. I would say that I gave my life to Christ about 35 years ago, and, and I remember thinking, well, if I could just get a couple of these behaviors straightened out, I really have made some progress. Now, 35 years into this, I look back, and as you described, you know, I continue to see more and more of the things that God needs to work on in, in my life, but yet I, I know I can see the perspective of all the things that he has already redeemed and restored in my life, but there just seems like there's a never-ending supply of ways that I can become more Christ-like. So I, I, I would think, you know, after 70 years, you'd really feel like you were getting closer, but that's not how you feel, is it? No, grace, uh, grace goes deeper and deeper, doesn't it? <laughs> wow, that's a, way, that's a good way to put that. All right, so how did you, where did you get your passion for helping others recognize that their faith and their work are connected? How did God lay that on your heart? Well, that's an interesting question. I, I suppose, looking way back, uh, my father was a farmer and mm. uh, a real Christ follower, and I watched him combine his work and his faith. Uh, for him, there, there really wasn't any separation. Uh, I, I would say, except that he had a brother who was a missionary, and I suspect that Dad felt himself in second-class work, which was, as he probably would have called it, secular work. I don't like that term, but mm -hmm. I believe that he felt that separation. So I think it probably began all the way back there. Um, then when when I was a child, uh, I had a pastor's wife who one time said to me, uh, Larry, we're expecting great things of you in the years to come. That's what she said, but what I heard was, we're expecting that you're going to become a pastor or a missionary. 
Well, that stuck with me, and I went to Wheaton College in Illinois, and while I was there, I began to sense this this silent voice within me uh, pointing in a different direction, and I actually sat down and had a written argument with God. I wrote this out, two pages, uh, like like you'd write a play script, mm-hmm. and uh, Larry, colon, God, colon, and... Um, I was pulling to be a pastor or a missionary, and God was pulling to send me into the work world where 99.5% of Christians spend their, their lives. So that was, that was another uh, way that, that the Lord formed this passion within me. When I was in my 20s, we were in a church back in Washington State where, where we live now, But uh, in the church we were attending in those days, on Mother's Day, the pastor asked for the mothers of pastors and missionaries to come forward to uh, to get an orchid corsage. I was sitting in the the pew back there thinking, well, wait a minute, what about all the moms who raised teachers and farmers and truck drivers uh, to follow the Lord? Where are their orchids? So that that was like a rock in my shoe, you might say. And another uh, Sunday, uh, he said, this is back when we had evening services, and he said, I want to encourage everyone to come back this evening to hear such and such a man, because he has a wonderful testimony, even though he's just a layman. And that was to me like a knife in the heart. And I think the Lord used all those things to begin to to send me on a search of, of Scripture to say, well, what about our work? Are we just laymen? Are we in secular work as opposed to sacred work? Uh, so that that really started the passion for this subject. And that was over fifty years ago. I mean, and because really the conversation in our country, it really in the last twenty years, has erupted about the fact that our faith and our work are connected. But fifty years ago, there wasn't a lot of resources outside of the scriptures for somebody to say, "Hey." Just so you know, you're right. Your faith and your work, they are connected, and there's no higher calling that's sacred versus secular, that they're all a high calling. I mean, that was a pretty revolutionary stance that you were taking 50 years ago. Well, it was kind of scary, actually. Uh, back, in, I, um, back in 1974, I published the first book on this subject. In those days, uh, the title was Secular Work is Full-Time Service, and Back in the early 70s, I did not know of one other book on the subject. I I found out later that there were a few. Uh, There was a man named Oldham who had written something in the 1950s. And, of course, Martin Luther even (laughs) wrote on this subject way back when. But I didn't know that then, and so uh, wrote that book, Secular Work is Full-Time Service, which has been retitled now. It's called Serving Christ in the Workplace, published by Christian Literature Crusade. So, okay, so God is moving in your life, and you've had the opportunity to be in industry, and now you're also a professor at Bakke Graduate University. What, what specific courses do you teach at Bakke? One of the courses is called Work, Calling, and Human Dignity. Uh, that's an online course, and I've taught that probably five or six times and have another one coming up starting in April. We talk about the origin and God's purpose in our daily work. 
uh, we talk about giftedness, calling. Uh, we hit the sacred secular divide uh, pretty heavily. We talk about stewardship and and workplace ethics. So those are some of the things that we we talk about in that course. And then a, you do you teach other courses besides the work calling and human dignity dignity course? That's the main one. I I've also taught one called Taking Your Soul to Work, which deals with uh, the fruit of the Spirit in the workplace as well as nine deadly sins in the workplace. So that's one that's based on on a, uh, a book by, by Paul Stevens. Paul Stevens is probably one of the most uh, widely known authors in this theology of work field around the world. And... Um, Paul is, is a friend of mine and, and actually served as my dissertation supervisor. Mm. Now, you've got a website that I want to make sure I draw attention to people several times on the show today called calledintowork.com, calledintowork.com. On that website, i got to tell you, I've, I've checked it out. I've dug through there. There's all kinds of very great resources out there for people. If they're really just trying to understand their call into the workplace, as you understood, the sacred versus the secular calling just isn't biblical, that God called you into the workplace to be a minister, just like he calls some uh, ministers to the pulpit and some people to the foreign mission field. He called you into the workplace. That, But on that website, you've got tons of great resources. Well, can you describe it just a little bit? I know that wasn't one of the questions I told you I was going to ask you, but there's I, there's so much good on that website, calledintowork.com. I just want to draw attention to it. Well, I, I try to uh, fit things into some categories. Uh, one of them is mirroring God, reflecting God. We we were made in His image, and I believe that first and foremost, we are here to reflect Him. Uh, one category, becoming Christ-like, because I believe that one of the reasons that God sends us into the workplace is to is to be transformed, and our work uh, uh, really does that. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who uh, wrote the message, the paraphrase, uh, said that uh, he he was prepared to contend that the primary location for spiritual formation is the workplace. And I think he's right. Then other categories, supporting believers. How do we identify and then minister to other believers uh, in the workplace? Uh, embodying truth. How do we how do we represent the truth to non-Christians? Doing earthwork, which is really caring for God's world, God's earth, and then reaching forward, thinking about uh, uh, in, in the ages to come. Uh, it, it certainly looks in Scripture like God has us uh, scheduled for work in those days as well. And then probably the largest category is grasping vocation, because we have, uh, most of us, grown up with this sacred-secular divide idea, which, uh, as you said in in your opening, uh, really requires us to make a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. And that's very, very difficult to do. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, I, I believe that. There's no question it's difficult to do. Uh, because I, I, as I see, even with my own pastor, and I have an incredible pastor of the, my local church here, it is such a shift. Uh, I, I was talking to him just recently about a, a sermon series got coming up in, in uh, er, later on this year, and, uh, it, and it's going to be about the workplace ministry. And he said, you know, I did this series about seven or eight years ago in my previous church, and I was amazed at the response and how, how people just responded, loving to hear that their work mattered to God. And I said, really, you made such an impact, you never did it again? I mean, this is what people need to hear. The reason people were so excited to hear what you had to say was because all of a sudden they realized that what they did each and every day mattered. They were so excited to hear about that. So I'm just excited because it's a paradigm shift not only for us Christ followers because of what we've been taught, it's a huge paradigm shift for the church as a whole. It really is. Oh, absolutely. And and the problem is, as, as you've just said, that in with, with some exceptions, and there are some exceptions, but uh, for the most part in churches, believers are not going to hear much about their daily work. Uh, it's going to be rarely, if ever, mentioned. And, and this is not just my opinion. Uh, I'm not sure. Are you familiar with uh, a book by David Miller? Uh, oh, the 40, uh, his 40 days book. Uh, that's not the right. No, word. no, it's a book called God at Work. God at Work. Yes, I've heard uh, of it. I have not read it. Hey, it's time for a book highlight segment brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Karis Christian Books and Gifts has been part of the Largo community for over 29 years. Located in the center of First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks on Ulmer Tim Road in Largo, their 2,400 square foot stores open to the public seven days a week. That's right. Seven days a week. Oh, I just said for over 29 years, this is the week. It's 30 years this week. Congratulations, Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Hey, be the first person to call into the studio line today at 855-265-2929. Once I finish this commercial, that's 855-265-2929. And I'll send you a copy of the book we're highlighting today. Compliments my wife, Martha, and Dr. Larry Peabody and Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Our book today is Job Shadowing Daniel, Walking the Talk at Work, written by Dr. Larry Peabody. Let me give you a short explanation. The Sunday-Monday gap can make it seem as if every work, everyday work has little or no spiritual significance. As a result, countless working Christians lead split-level li- split lives, unable to do their daily work wholeheartedly. Any work for God, they suspect, must be done in off hours or on the weekends. Welcome back to Dr. Larry Peabody. I would like to just, Larry, I'd like you to give me an explanation as to why God laid this book on your heart, because what I just read there was so true, because that's exactly how I felt. Well, I think uh, one of the reasons that uh, God particularly put Daniel's career in Babylon on my heart is that I worked for the government here in the state of Washington for 11 years. And uh, in those 11 years, I, I experienced the challenges that it is to work uh, in a so-called secular job. Again, I don't like that term, but um, I, I did that for 11 years uh here for the state. And so as I, as I read Scripture, uh, I found that there were very godly men in Scripture who worked for the government. Joseph was one, for example, there in Egypt, but also Daniel uh, worked for the government in Babylon. Daniel probably went to work for the government when he was a teenager. Of course, he was taken forcibly from, from his home, uh, into Babylon to uh, to be put to work there, but he remained faithful to God in a in a pagan setting, a pagan government for probably seventy years. 
And so I thought, you know, I can't think of a better coach for Christians than to walk alongside Daniel, to job shadow Daniel, so to speak. And so the subtitle of the book is Walking the Talk at Work. It, it, it looks like a fantastic book, and I'm so grateful that you shared a copy with us. All right, we're back live with Dr. Larry Peabody, founder of calledintowork.com, calledintowork.com. Larry, we, when we come back from the bottom of the half-hour break, I really want to get into that book. You were, you were about ready to give me a quote on David from David Miller. Do you have that right there with you? Yes, I do. Go ahead and give me that. Well, uh, David Miller is the executive director of the Yale Center for Faith and Culture at Yale Divinity School. And he says in his book, he said, despite some exceptions, the evidence strongly suggests that the church in general seems uninterested in, unaware of, or unsure of how to help the laity integrate their faith identities and teachings with their workplace occupations, problems, and possibilities. All right, we're talking with author and speaker, Dr. Larry Peabody, founder of calledintowork.com, calledintowork.com. He wrote this incredible paper called Weaving Theology of Work into Church Life and a book that we just highlighted, Job Shadowing Daniel. If you want to get a copy of the book, call into the studio line right now, Job Shadowing Daniel, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. And you already know that you can't wait for the movie because larry you're not you're not under production uh, rights with hollywood to make a movie on this are you no no one has contacted me yet for the movie well we'll just have to work on that you never know because really there's some great i just watched recently a very good book on or a very good movie on daniel that uh, was on netflix i really really enjoyed it so uh, there's some good stuff out there and it does talk about a show What's the best way to say it? It, it, it does demonstrate how he had to be part of um, really this. He never left Babylon. People left and went back to Israel, but he never left. He supported the Babylonian kings uh, right up to the end, which was which is unbelievable, but he was really a great example. So somebody wants to get a copy of your book, 855-265-2929. Larry, right before the break, you were reading me a quote from David Miller, uh, founder of the, why, no, I wrote it down. I can't read my writing. I'm sorry. Oh, he, yeah, he wrote the book, God at Work. Okay, God at Work. And what was the name of, you said he founded? Um, well, he, he's the executive director of the Yale Center for Faith and Culture at Yale Divinity School. Okay. So there's still a movement of Christ at Yale Divinity School. Oh yes, yes. There's some uh, there's some good people there. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Well, see, a lot of us have, have gotten very frustrated with the Ivy League schools, thinking they were all founded based on Christ-following principles, but they've all kind of strayed away because we know that. Well, of course, first of all, most of our presidents come out of the Ivy League schools, and most of them really aren't following the Lord really str- strongly. But anyway, the, you always hear about the. Uh, very liberal stuff that comes out of there. You don't hear about the good stuff that comes out of Yale and Harvard and some of those other places. So that's pretty cool. So he helped found the the Center for Faith and Faith. Well, he, he's the executive director there. Executive director. The, the okay. Center for Faith and Culture. Yeah. Culture. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So tell me about what his quote was again. Well, uh, he said, despite some exceptions, the evidence strongly suggests that the church in general seems uninterested in, uh, uninterested in, unaware of, or unsure of how to help the laity integrate their faith identities and teachings with their workplace occupations, problems, and possibilities. And then he goes on to say, this Sunday-Monday gap between clergy and business persons, between ecclesiastical and business life, 
and between worship and work has been documented in individual narratives, anecdotal evidence, and empirical studies. He has really studied this, and it's not just some opinions, but he's, he's done research on this. Well, and honestly, I've not done any research other than a few books I've read, but I've been going to church all of my life. My parents, uh, they, they caused me to have a drug problem when I was a kid. They drug me to church all the time. And that's just supposed to be a joke. And nobody, not even Ivan's laughing. Okay, but the, the issue is th- that is so true. You don't need to even do research to figure that out because I've been going to evangelical churches all of my life. And I have, I can tell you, I have heard zero sermons on the integration of my faith and my secular workplace Zero. None. Absolutely none. And I've been going to church. I'm almost 49 years old. So there's pretty typical. Yeah, it's pretty typical. So but instead of being negative, my wife has always encouraged me to look at the glass half full. So how can we help them? Maybe we got to start this revolution. You've got a website called into work. It it deals with it. There are hundreds. Actually, there are thousands now of faith and work websites across the Internet, as long as regulations don't take them out. How exa- you then wrote a paper weaving theology of work into church life. What prompted you to write that paper? Well, the very fact that you've just mentioned that uh, we rarely talk about uh, our daily work uh, in in the church. Uh, the typical individual uh, over a lifetime will spend eighty to a hundred thousand hours uh, in the workplace, and yet we just don't hear about that. Uh, uh, for the most part, in our churches. Uh, You mentioned a movie the other day, and I bet you if you think back to the last five movies that you've seen, movies or TV series, probably uh, more than one, and could be more than half, uh, took place in the workplace. I mean, you think of uh, things like uh, The Help. Many people have seen The Help. That's that's a household workplace. Uh, You think of uh, Mr. Holland's Opus, that's mm. the educational workplace. That Hoosiers, was a great movie. Saving Private Ryan, the military. And we could go on and on. Uh, but if you go to the movies, uh, you hear a whole lot about the workplace because that's where life happens. But we go to church and we don't talk about it. So how do we shift? How do we start that tidal wave, Larry? Because that's what needs to happen. We need to start it today. I mean, it, I know it's been starting in its building. The the the, the all of the pieces are out there now. There's enough material. There's enough research has been done. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of books out there on this subject. There are hundreds and thousands of people across this nation who understand that their faith and their work are intermixed, and they should be intermixed, and that's how the next revolution and revival for Christ is going to happen in this country. But how do we start helping the churches to equip people? How, what's the answer? Well, let's start with something simple. Um, what what do you see in the typical church directory? You see where people sleep. You don't see where they spend their lives. So why don't we not only include their home addresses and phone numbers and email addresses, but why don't we include their occupations and where they work? Just as a simple suggestion so that we know each other not just as the people who take the offering or hand out bulletins on Sunday, but we know each other by where we spend most of our lives. 
Right. Really, you're talking about networking. You're, you're talking about developing a network within your church of knowing, hey, Bob over here, he's a plumber. Larry over here, he's a carpenter. And John over here, he's a financial advisor. And, and Luke over here, he sells life insurance. And, and, and that's what you're talking about. So that people know, hey, this is who they are. That's how they spend their days. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, right. And let's say that John is a plumber. Okay, then John knows that Paul is a plumber and uh, uh, Sandra is a plumber or whatever and and so they can actually then get together and say you know how do we as plumbers uh, practice christian ethics um, in in our plumbing workplaces so they can identify each other by what they do through the week not just where they sleep so you're really talking about a deepening level of not just networking, but an accountability on you, you gather together vocations, people who have a shared vocation or a shared, well, shared calling, you know, all, the, all the plumbers together, all the carpenters together, all the financial advisors together, all the insurance agents together, all the used car sales guys together, all of the all of the stay at home moms, because that's the hardest job of all of them, of course. I don't know if you, did you have, do you have any kids, Larry? Yes, we have three. And how many? They're not kids. They're not kids anymore. Well, I know. I, I know. You already said your age. So how many grandkids do you have? We have 10 grandkids and eight great-grandkids. Oh, that is so cool. 18 grandkids and great-grandkids. No, eight. Yeah, eight, eight great-grandkids. Right. So, But that's 18 total that aren't yours. Yeah, so that's right. pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What a legacy no, that gonna, is. I was going to say that the, uh, the the matter of networking, take, take nurses, for example. Uh, there are some medical ethics questions now that uh, probably only nurses or medical people are going to understand. And so if, if they can network and pray for each other and, and advise one another and, and pool their thoughts, you, know, you might say their insights from Scripture about how, to, how do they deal with these medical ethics questions, and, and that's just one example. But we, we need to start linking arms and not expecting that it's all going to come out of a sermon on Sunday. Well, now, and let me ask this question, and I agree, but the church somehow needs to, you know, if you go into a, the average church and say, hey, I want to create, I want to create a way for uh, people to gather together within their vocation so that they can start hold, really just encourage each other on how to incorporate their faith into the workplace and deal with the very intricate specifics of, of what they're dealing with. You know, they'll say, well, let's create a business directory or, or let's have a business networking lunch kind of thing. But that's not what you're talking about. You're really talking about deepening relationships within the aisles uh, and the pews of the church. Sure. Yeah. And even across uh, denominational lines. you know. Oh, wait a minute, Larry. Larry, wait a minute. Now you're talking that you want churches to work together? Let's just start getting the churches to actually start equipping believers. Then we can start. I, actually, I'm sorry. Sarcasm aside. Sorry. 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 But it, that's exactly the point. Because out in the business world, I network with Christian business people throughout Tampa Bay. I don't just network with people within my church. And I go to a big church. There's lots of big churches around. There's lots of big churches out by you in Washington. But you're talking about let's let's cross denominational lines. That's something that pastors really struggle with because they, they there's like this. They feel threatened by it because, oh, well, that person may steal my person or whatever. How do we help our pastors to open their eyes? Obviously, it's the work of God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. But how much luck are you having with this stuff in your church? Tell me the good news. Well, fortunately, in the church that I attend, uh, the pastor did his dissertation. Uh, his, his title was Missional in the Marketplace. So he understands these things. 
But I do find that very few pastors do, unless they have themselves actually uh, worked in the workplace. Uh, last Sunday, I spoke at a church about an hour north of where we live, and uh, this pastor had spent several years as a business owner here in the Olympia area. And so he understands it. But uh, m- many have never experienced that, and, and so it, it's a little bit of a foreign uh cross-cultural experience for them. And I would suggest one of the things, too, that people can do uh, is to invite their pastor to their workplace for coffee or for lunch. Uh, Let them actually get a a taste of where you work. That's a great love that. Invite their pastor to the workplace. Have a cup of coffee. Introduce them to other people in the office. How about that? Just really show them your ministry. Show them, show them the ministry they have. What church do you go to out there in Washington? Uh, we attend the Lacey Presbyterian Church. Lacey, De Lacey or Lacey? La- that's the name of the town, the community. L-A-C-E-Y, Lacey. Presbyterian. Yeah church okay that's so cool that your pastor understands that now was your pastor a business businessman before he went into the pulpit yes in fact he was in florida for a while and he was uh, working in advertising Hmm. interesting see what i okay so give me some examples because obviously another redeemer presbyterian up there in in new york city has a huge movement going on i've got Catherine leary alsdorf coming on my show next week talking about how God has been working miraculously in, in up there. But how? what other examples of some churches have you seen where the pastors have grasped onto this idea of equipping people no matter what their calling is, not just to the mission field or another pastorate, but whether it's called to plumbing or called to nursing or called to being a homemaker or called to whatever it may be. Give me some examples of some churches and, 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 and the cool stuff that's going on. Can you give me some of those? Well, you've already named probably the the premier church uh, in this respect, the Redeemer Presbyterian there in New York City. Uh, another one is Christ Community Church in Leawood, Kansas. Uh, Tom Nelson is the pastor there. Another one is the City Church of Redmond, Virginia, and Eric Bunkowski is the pastor there. So there's a couple churches uh, that are some of the exceptions uh, that really do take this matter seriously. Well, and it's going to just take lots of those churches around the country to start running uh, and start encouraging. I mean, that, that's what it's going to be. And, and now I, I had heard of Tom Nelson's church because Rick Box, who does my integrity moment, which you heard on one of the the breaks, goes to that church and got me a copy of his book that I'm reading right now. So uh, Work Matters, I believe, is the name of the book that he wrote. Yes, that's the title of that book, right? Right. I'm, I'm just just got started on it, and this week I'm I'm sort of enjoying the Florida sun, so I'll be able to read it while I'm enjoying the Florida sun. All right. So, the idea on where you're going. I mean, obviously you're running hard. You, you said it yourself. You're 75. You're teaching at Baki Graduate University. You're teaching people about work calling and human dignity. You're you're equipping people. What what is your I mean, how are you going to run to the end of your life? I mean, what is your heart and your passion? How do you want to be running out? I mean, we all want to run the game and be running when God calls us home. What is it, what is it that's on your docket that you want to be doing? Well, uh, at this point, uh, unless the Lord points me in another direction, I, I plan to continue doing this as, as long as it gives me strength. Uh, I, I truly believe that, that my own experience uh, that God has given has has uh, given me a unique perspective. As I mentioned, I worked uh, for the government here for 11 years. I then had my own business uh, teaching 
business writing seminars for 17 years. In the middle of that, uh, the pastor of the church we were attending asked us to plant a church, so we planted a church here in Lacey, and uh, I was bivocational in that role for eight years and then went full-time on the payroll of the church for another 13. So I've seen it from the the perspective of an employee, of a self-employed business person, and of a pastor, and so uh, I I guess the trajectory of my life seems to say that uh, this is really what God has, has equipped me and called me to do. We're talking about weaving theology of work into church life, and we've been talking about all different kinds of examples of practical ways you can do it, and we're here just to lay out the groundwork for how we can encourage our churches to start equipping us to be in our mission field each and every day. Larry, as we run out to the end of this show, I really want to talk about the success and what you've seen as the aftermath. That's a negative word, but I don't know how better to put it. But you were a pastor in a church living and breathing this each and every day. Was that the Lacey Presbyterian Church that you that you helped plant? No, no. Um, I was in a, a church uh, over, actually it was a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church okay. here in Lacey. And... Um, uh, as I said, I was there for 21 years total, and uh, you, you ask about results. Well, I guess one example would be uh, a, a dentist uh, uh, in the church who has uh, really taken all of that to heart and uh, uh, has had a Bible in his waiting room and uh, uh, talks freely, of course, with patients and staff about the Lord. And, and so he has, has really incorporated uh his his dental practice uh, in his Christian life. So so those two have been have been merged. You might say. What's the impact been on the community of Lacey though? That that's what I want to look at because that's a lot of years for you to be investing in the community through that church. What are you seeing as the results? I mean, you obviously then you mentioned this other this Presbyterian church. Did you have influence over that pastor as well for him to incorporate this whole idea in, into how they're running that church? Well, as I mentioned, he did his uh, his dissertation on the subject of uh, missional in the marketplace. Uh, he is also on a board. Uh, we have begun something here called the Center for Faith at Work. Uh, we've kind of borrowed that title from, from other places, but the Center for Faith at Work uh, here in the South Sound area, South Puget Sound. And, uh, for example... Uh, we have scheduled a series of what I call table talks, borrowing that term from Martin Luther. But um, having people here around a, a dining room table, and we're focusing on government workers because uh, more than a third of the people in our community work for government. Mm. And so we're trying to say, okay, we're going to get half a dozen government Christians, big Christians working for government around our dining room table. And we're going to uh, talk about some of the how-do-I questions that government workers have identified. Mm. How do I, as a Christian, do this and do that and so on? Well, you might want to encourage them. I I have a couple of shows in the past where I had a... a, uh a lawyer who was an expert in basically the the rights of a government worker or any other kind of worker in the workplace to share their faith. His name is uh, David Gibbs. He, he does the uh, 
well, I'm going to forget. I'll forget what his institute is called. But I've got a couple of shows with David Gibbs in the past, and he laid out specifically how the rights of government wor- government workers are protected by the Constitution, where rights of other workers and other businesses are not protected by the Constitution because it's they're in a private business, but the government workers are actually protected by the Constitution. It's very, very interesting. Larry, what are some encouraging? Just give us some last encouraging words for pastors who may be listening today, or people who are close to their pastors. They can pass it on. Where can people just get started, or how should they get started on this whole idea of equipping Christ followers to recognize their faith and their work should be absolutely connected? Well, uh, for example, uh, there there are resources that pastors can find online. Uh, one of them, just just one off the top of my head, a YouTube video, just probably three minutes long, which would fit into a, a church service nicely. It's called The Sacred-Secular Divide. It's by Mark Green, G-R-E-E-N-E, with the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. And uh, he gives an example there of, of a Sunday school teacher who uh, indicates that she spends 45 minutes with kids who are basically from a Christian home context. She spends 45 hours a week with kids who don't have that, and yet she's never been prayed for uh, in that larger uh, time investment as a teacher. And and so that's a very powerful uh, demonstration of one of the effects of the sacred-secular divide. I'll make sure I post a link to that on our Facebook page. Larry, I want to thank you so much for this conversation today. There's so much more we can talk about, so I'd like permission to call you again to have another show in the future, because this was really great. We've talked about a lot of stuff. We really want to start encouraging pastors nationwide to recognize the need to equip us in the pews to go out. No longer to invite us into the sanctuary, but to invite us into an equipping place to send us out. Larry Peabody, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. I look forward to speaking with you again. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.